to the series on today. We're starting a new series on today um, called Wait Till I Get My Money Right. Um, wait Till I Get My Money Right. And um, I'm going to talk about money and money management all month long. And um, I, I know uh, that, that, that I'm not talking about relationships, praise God, um, but I'm going to talk about a, a, a serious relationship, and that is relationship with your money. Um, I want to preach, um, don't, don't go to it yet, I'm going to tell you when to change the screen. I want to preach from a title that might sound a little funny, but it's going to make more sense to you. Um, when I grew up, I grew up from a, um, a, a parent that when we went into a uh, store, before we went in, when mama would put the car in park, she'd say, when we go in here, don't touch nothing. And I, I looked at that, and I wanted to kind of piggyback off that. So this morning, come on, let's go to it. I want to preach from this subject. You got McDonald's money. Look at your neighbor say, you got McDonald's money. That's, that's what I want to I wanna teach tonight, today, because I believe um, that mama was trying to show us that when it came to finances, there is something that we are lacking that we refuse to face, and that is priorities. So look at your neighbor's neighbor. We're going to get our priorities in order. Yeah, we're going to get our priorities in order. Four years ago, Time Magazine shocked newspaper stands with a cover that had a headline that every man, woman, child in the United States, come on, let's go, owes $42,998.12 to the U.S. government. Due to legislature pre-spending ways that if we took America's debt, which is right around $22 trillion, this is the amount that every man, woman, boy, girl would have to pay in order for this country to get out of debt. $42,998.12. This is the greatest, $22 trillion is the greatest debt ratio since the end of World War II. In fact, it has risen, believe it or not, under Trump's administration because tax revenue has fallen and federal spending continues to rise. And Congress is culpable because it knowingly spends more than it takes in. In the last week alone in our great United States of America, because of fear of the coronavirus, 
and shifting markets, the stock market over the last week has lost $6 trillion. In other words, if you had a 401k that was worth about $100,000, you lost 12,000 of that in one week. And if we are not careful, we will find ourselves putting our trust in places that will never provide stability, trying to achieve our dreams on, stand, on sand instead of the rock. And while we as a people are waiting on some type of retribution or, come on, reparations for the financial playing field to be leveled, what the government won't give you and, and what we, we feel we are owed, would you just do me a favor and lay your hands on yourself? Don't touch your neighbor. Lay your hands on yourself and make this declaration. I need you to say this out your mouth and really believe this. I need you to say, I owe it to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While we are waiting on somebody else to come through and do it for us, there are some things that we owe to ourselves that if we ever got in financial order and put things in perspective, God is saying that I can get you to a place if you just realize that you are not grasshoppers in their sight, but you are greater than what you really are. And you ain't got to wait on the man to come fix your problem, but you can get yourself in financial order because you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself not to settle. You owe it to yourself not to just maintain. You owe it to yourself not to just have a meager existence. You owe it to yourself not to just go along with status quo. You owe it to yourself to live further than any other person that ever carried your last name. You owe it to yourself to prove the naysayers wrong. You owe it to yourself that you can accomplish what you used to dream about. Because I need to know, is there anybody in here that say, I am too gifted to be this broke, that God has, God has promised me some great things in my life and I refuse to sit here and I'll, okay let me put it like this this ain't for everybody because some of y'all like to be poor broke and hungry but I need to talk to the people that's ready to rise up financially and be more blessed than anybody else in your family anybody else that you ever came from I need to let you know if you don't come from a wealthy family then a wealthy family should come from you I ain't got nobody right there. I wish I had somebody in here today that if you don't come from a wealthy family, I'm going to say it to somebody, get it, then a wealthy family should come from you. I need somebody to declare that over your life, that even though I didn't come from a wealthy family, a wealthy family is getting ready to come from me. Some of y'all still can't get with it, but I believe by faith that I'm getting ready to talk to some people that's getting ready to shift somewhere in their life, that even though you came from the projects, the projects will no longer come from you any longer you getting ready to create something that ain't nobody else had in your last name has ever had I wish I had a church in here that believed that no matter where you came from and no matter what obstacles you had in front of you that God can shift your life and you can live better than what your last name says I know y'all come from the other side of the tracks I get it Y'all weren't raised on, on certain aspects like, like we was raised on. Um, Y'all weren't raised eating spam sandwiches. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all weren't raised that the only extra money you could ever get was the loose change that was in the couch. 
and you was praying that it was a quarter in there. Y'all wasn't raised to run out the front door when you heard those bells from the ice cream truck coming. And you would try to put a little money together. And if your mama or somebody did give you some money, they'd look at you and say, bring me my change. Y'all weren't, y'all weren't, y'all weren't raised like that. Cause see, y'all raised y'all children to have hundred dollar shoes and bring home D's and F's. But, um, but I was raised in the generation. I sit there, I'm coming for you. I was raised in the generation where money actually meant something. The mon- money, money, come on. They used to tell them money don't grow on trees, and, and and money just wasn't like all that available. And now we are living better than we've ever lived, but more depressed than we've ever been. Grandma didn't have a fourth of what you have, yet you sit here with your arms folded, can't give God glory and give. God I praise because you keep looking at somebody else thinking that you ain't blessed. I need somebody here to declare whatever debt I got in whatever state I am, I have come to one conclusion. I am blessed by God. I'm more blessed than my mama. I'm more blessed than my grandmother. I'm more blessed than my lineage. I'm more blessed than I've ever been in my life. I need to know without the assistance of music, is there anybody in here that can give God five seconds of praise? Because when you look at your life and realize what God has done, you are blessed. Blessed. Somebody lift your hands up and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to live where I live. I'm blessed to drive what I drive. I'm blessed to work where I work. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to wear what I want to wear. I'm blessed to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. See, some of y'all still sitting there. Okay, I get it, because you wasn't raised where you had to go in the cabinet and put some white rice with some baked beans, uh, excuse me, some poking beans, and I put a little, mi- a little meat with it, and that's all you had to eat. Some of y'all was raised too good, but is there anybody in here that say, I done, God done brought me a mighty long way from where I used to be, and I'm grateful to God, because I am blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm more blessed than I've ever been. And if I don't come from a wealthy family, then wealth is going to come from me. Look at your neighbor and say, let it start with you. Let it start with you. Because I think there is something that we all have in common when it comes to money. Something we all got in common. I don't care which your, how many zeros you got in the bank, how big your salary is. There's something that we all have in common when it comes to money. Do you notice that you always have more month than money? Okay. I know some of y'all are so uneasy, but I'm, I'm going to bless you today. Isn't it amazing that no matter how much money you make, your desires are always greater than your bank balance? You, you got champagne taste, but beer, bottle, pockets. You, you got extravagant taste. Ain't nobody in your family ever had what you desire. You, you want to take trips on the Concorde. First class. Sit up there and get your little champagne when you get on the, when you get, oh, y'all don't, okay, all right. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I, I know some of us, all we know is spirit, but the, uh, some of us know that God can raise you to the level were you first class? I, I'll never forget this. I'm going to talk this morning. I'll never forget when one time uh, we went to uh, uh, South Africa and um, the Lord blessed us to get upgraded to first class. 
And um, I'm sitting there, and me and Winchell, Minister Pastor Winchell, sitting next to each other. And April was on the plane with us, and I was wondering where <laughs> April was. And uh, we couldn't find where she was because she, you know, she wasn't sitting with us. So I got up. I said, let me go find where April left. And I turned that corner, and April over there in the cut in first class with her champagne glass like this. Because <laughs> when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. Okay, y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Your, your desires are bigger than what you really bring in. Because when it comes to the area of money, it seems like we never have enough. And the natural progression is to think that the reason that we don't have enough is because, watch this, I need more. If I had more income, then I would not have the shortage or the lack that I have. If I made more money, then I would not, but, but I want you to think for me, think just for a minute, I think deep down subconsciously, you know that's not true. The answer to our problem is not more money. Because, watch this, let me prove it to you. Uh, way back in the day when you worked fast food, when you babysat, when you mowed lawns, it seemed that you made less money than you do right now, but you had way less problems. Okay. But now that you make more money than you used to, you have more problems. Because, like the prophet Biggie said, more money more problems. Sometimes when it comes to the end of the year or the end of the month, we all ask the same question. Where did all the money go? If I made that much money, you're looking at your W-2s, I should have more money reflected in my account. Have you ever asked yourself, where does it all go? But you picked a good Sunday. Because I came to tell somebody exactly how much you need to feel financially secure. I'm going to tell you. I, I, I'm glad you came this Sunday morning. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly how much you need to feel financially secure. You know how much you need? Write down this figure. All you need is a little bit more. because that's what we believe. But this is why I want to expose the misconception, the deception, the lie. Come on, let's go. It's on the screen. A little bit more will make you do more of what you already do. So let me put it like this. If you are a crackhead and I give you more money, all money is going to do is make you a bigger crackhead. If you are a weed smoker and you spend a percentage of your income on weed, when I give you more money, all you're going to do, because money don't change you, it makes you more what you already are. Watch this. So the solution to your problem is not necessarily more money. Because if I gave you more money and you eat out now, all you're going to do is get more money and eat out more, or watch this, more expensive. Because you ain't never thought about Ruth's Chris until you got that promotion. 
Because a little bit more will make you do more of what you already do. So if you mismanage what you already have, you will mismanage more. If you're not disciplined with what you already have, you will not be disciplined with more. And can I, can I just bust this misconception up? Winning the lotto will not make you give your tithes. You didn't see that coming, did you? Because if you rob God now with 30,000, do you think you really going to trust him with 30 million? Just makes you a bigger robber. A little bit more will make you do more of what you already do. If you already consume and spend on what you already make, more will make you spend more. If you already don't save and you start to make more, watch this, you will increase your lifestyle instead of putting the extra to the side. And I don't want you to come to freedom and sit under this teaching and believe that more will be the answer to your problem. Can I, let me go spiritual. Sometimes more anointing is not, not your, the answer to your problem. Because if you mismanage the anointing you already have, you're going to mismanage the anointing that God getting ready to send you. This would explain why sometimes God keeps us in certain seasons. Because if you have not mastered the season on this level, he's not going to graduate you to the season on the next level. Touch your neighbor and say, master where you're at. Master where you're at. Master where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Manage the job you don't like until you get the job you think you won't. Stop looking to see if the grass is green on the other side and invest in the marriage you already in and watch him bless it even where you are. Take care of the car you have already and see if God will hold it together until it's time for an upgrade. I'm getting ready to speak this over somebody's life. I hope you can handle this because God told me he's getting ready to upgrade you if you stop downgrading where you are now. Now, y'all ain't ain't with me. See, you need to get to a place where you stop downgrading where you are now so he can upgrade you later. Because when he upgrades you, you're going to look at the upgrade as if it's a downgrade. And God is saying, I need you to respect where I got for you right now. Whatever state I find myself in, I've learned to be content. Because if I'm not content on this level, I sure ain't going to be content on the next. So that means you got to stop complaining about your job. And be grateful for the job you got. Because he could give you a new job, and you're going to hate everybody on that one. Everybody going to be a devil at every job you go to. Because you have not learned to appreciate where you're at. Now, I know if, I know you can feel this, but the moment a pastor starts talking about money, it feels as if all the energy is sucked out the room. Pastor, last month we were talking about relationships. Go back to that. <laughs> and I understand the sentiment because of all these bad examples of pastors and churches and money. There are churches that have misused the name of Jesus and twisted Jesus to benefit their own gain, to manipulate you out of fear for you to give. But I can stand on this stage unequivocally and say, uh, with freedom, watch this, getting ready to turn 10 years old in June, I can say without a shadow of doubt that we have financial integrity in this church. I don't use guilt and fear to motivate you to give. I don't use guilt and fear to motivate you to give. How do I know? You only got one offering. 
Y'all still ain't with me. Because some of y'all come from churches. They had the mission offering. They had the outreach offering. They had the building offering. They had the trustees on the third Sunday offering. They had all these other offerings. And watch this. And they would guilt you. And what you did was you took whatever you was going to give and started chopping it up so that you could give it in all each one of them. So I'm going to give a dollar over here and a dollar over there. But at this church, we believe bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Watch this. That's never been our tactic. We don't use guilt and fear to motivate you to give because it doesn't work. I can fear you. I can guilt you into, watch this, behavior modification. You can change your, your behavior for a short period of time, but I'm more interested in motivating your heart into obedience. I want to see lifelong change in you because when you see that the blessings that God has already released over your life, and out of your gratefulness for what he's already released, this blessing over your life, you become generous as a praise back to God. I don't give because the pastors say, I give because the Lord's been that good to me. God, I wish I had somebody right there. And my assignment to you, beloved, is that I'm coming after your heart. I'm not coming after you changing your behavior for one Sunday. I want you to fall so deeply in love with Jesus that whatever he requires, he's willing to give it, that you're willing to give it. That's why sometimes I will stand on this stage and intentionally not push you into a praise to see if your heart is so lovesick with Jesus that even if I'm having a bad day, I will still bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. If my world is turned upside down, I still got a praise. If I cried myself to sleep last night, I still got a worship in my heart. I lift my hands even in the midst of what I'm going through because it's not about what's happening in my life. It's just I come to the realization that the God I serve has been good to me. And is there anybody in here that can throw your hands up and open up your mouth and tell God thank you that you've been good to me. I don't give because I'm a because the prophet stand in front of you and tell you if you give a thousand dollars, God gonna break through. He's gonna break through, all right. Gonna break through on an NSF fund. Y'all know that y'all know what that is. Uh-huh. Y'all sit up there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't I don't I don't sit up here and prophesy to you. I don't try to fear you or beat you up into giving. That's why giving, I, a pastor came here one time, he said, you're giving too short. He said, if you made it longer, you get more money out of the people. I said, I ain't got time for all that. Because if you can't give because God has been good to you, ain't nothing I'm going to ever say. See, when you fall that, that much in love with Jesus, listen, you will give God whatever he requires. When you realize where he brought you from, when you realize what he's done in your life, when you realize how good he's been to you, when you realize how he saved your soul, when he realize how he delivered your mind, when you realize how he gave you peace in the time of storm, when you realize how he kept your children, when you realize how he kept over your head, when you realize how he kept food on your table, when you realize he kept you in a job you should have been fired from, when you realize that he healed your body, if none of that makes you give. Ain't nothing I can say to you. Not one word I can say to you. If you have not fallen in love with Jesus, nothing I can say to you. You got to fall so in love with Jesus that you say, God, whatever you require, I'll give it to you. Sometimes people look at you and say, why you praise them like that? Because Jesus has my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
He has my heart so much that sometimes when I start thinking about him, tears just well up in my eyes. He has my heart so much that while I'm driving down the street and a song comes on, all of a sudden a praise break happens right there in my car. And I got this lady on the left of me and this man in a truck on the right of me, but my hands are still go up and I'll still holler, thank you, Jesus, because he's been just that good to me. And I'm that in love with him. I'm lovesick with Jesus. So I, I want to I wanna, I wanna play a game with you. Um, I want to play a game with you. And I would want to play this game called Would You Rather? Would You Rather? I, I was going to put it up and you can do it through your phone, but I found out to do this many people it costs, and so we're just going to have to yell it out today. <laughs> I'm going to put up two options. And you tell me what you would rather. Now, when I put up these two options, you better think about it. Because I need you to figure out what you would rather. Um, here, here go the first one. Number one, would you rather have someone pay off your mortgage or pay for your kid's college tuition? <laughs> I love some of y'all. Some of y'all say mortgage. They on their own. Here go, here go the second one. Here go the second one. Would you rather have a getaway vacation for two or a family trip to Disney World? Now, I want to be clear. Notice I did not say, because it's only for the parents in here. Notice I did not say a family vacation to Disney World. Because anytime you take the children, it ain't a vacation, it's a trip. Y'all ain't, I ain't got no real parents in here. Some of y'all scared to say, uh, you need to realize that ain't no vacation. Sit down, eat this, turn around, be quiet. Leave him alone. <laughs> Look at somebody say, there ain't no vacation. That's a trip. Here's the third one. Would you rather, come on, have a five minute commute to work or a brand new car? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's funny, because if you ask that same question in a smaller city, it'll be a different answer. But because Jacksonville is huge, take you forever to get anywhere, y'all would rather have a five-minute commute. All right, I think we got one more. Would you ha rather have a dream house or free house cleaning for life? This is a very male-dominant question. Let me tell you why. Because most men in here will say, a dream house. But most women in here, especially people with children, will say, clean house. Because a dream house. Mm -hmm. Watch this. Watch this. Here's why I love that last one. So why are you killing yourself to have a dream house? Because the one you already got nasty. You don't clean that. Stains all in the carpet. Can't invite nobody over. You ain't cleaned it in forever. Soon as somebody hits your door, you got more excuses. Oh, excuse that over there. Don't worry about that. 
watch this. But when it comes to your finances, we end up getting stuff we can't afford or we, can, we end up getting stuff we can't maintain. So you get an expensive car, but you can't handle the repairs. And it's amazing that when we take our finances, we are killing ourselves in areas that when you put it like that, it brings things into priority. What would you rather? Come on, let's, let's have a good conversation now. Why'd I take you through this? Because I want you to see that choices and decisions are powerful. Choices and decisions are powerful. Boo, when you stop blaming the devil, you will discover that your life are, is a result of decisions that you have made. There wasn't no devil. Some things you just willingly said yes to. In fact, the magazine American Psychology estimates, watch this, that the average person makes about 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000 decisions every day. A thousand of them are, should I go to work today? And I believe that some of the greatest choices that we will ever make for our lives is in the area of our finances. It is a decision. It is a choice that you have to make. Our financial decisions are so important, ladies and gentlemen, that they can impact your mood. They can impact your anxiety. They can impact your health. Hear me. It is not a demon of depression that's after you. You are upset about the debt you carry in. And you have confused something that is spiritual to be something that is natural to be something that is spiritual. You are going upset and you are mad and you are angry, not because an enemy after you, but because you overspent. Thank you for the one hand clap way in the back. You are over-spiritualizing areas that are not that spiritual. This is a natural thing. So you want us to go in spiritual warfare over a decision you made unmake the decision I'm not calling down 10,000 angels to get you out of financial debt this month because next month you're going to be right back in the same place all over again you have over spiritualized an area watch this and financial decisions impact your mood they impact your anxiety they impact your health they impact your career some of you are on jobs you hate because it paid more financial decisions impact your marriage people ain't breaking up for infidelity issues they are breaking up because of financial issues watch this financial decisions impact your parenting all of that is in the area of our finances. And our text this morning comes from Luke, the 16th chapter, which Jesus is teaching his disciples through what is called a parable. Everybody say parable. What is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And what you will notice about parables, the parables of Jesus, is that there are always two main characters in all his parables. One character that represents God and the other character that represents you and I. And so as we read this, let's discover who is who. Luke, the 16th chapter, verse number one. Luke, the 16th chapter, verse number one. 
We're going to read 1 through 13. I want you to get this story because we're going to park here just for a minute. Luke, the 16th chapter, verse number 1 through 13. I'm reading for the New Living Translation. The Bible says Jesus told this story, this parable to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Verse number eight, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than, the, than are the children of the light. Verse number nine, so here's a lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Verse number 10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful in other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Verse number 13, where I'm hanging my hat. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Mm. Jesus is trying to show them that one of the greatest spiritual tests that we must pass is with our money. In fact, what if I told you, listen to this, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, every time we get paid, we are taking a test. And a hush falls over the crowd. Every time you have increase, it is a test. But watch this. But Jesus set this up as an open book test. Because Jesus is telling us the answer in verse number 13. It is a test that you don't answer with your words, but you answer with your actions. In verse 13, the answer, what, if, if th verse 13 is the answer, what is the question? The question that Jesus is asking you and I is that every time we get paid, here's the question, whose kingdom are you devoted to? This is what Jesus is asking his disciples. Whose kingdom are you devoted to? Because what we do with our money answers that question. I can tell you whose kingdom you are devoted to by looking at your bank statement. And Jesus lays out that when you look at how you spend your money, answers the question, are you serving the kingdom of God or are you serving the kingdom of the world? Isn't it amazing that when you look at your bank account, 
your vices get more money than your God? You are going to either serve the kingdom of God or you are going to serve the kingdom of you. And the question becomes, who are you devoted to? Jesus uses the word devoted in verse number 13, and devoted in the Greek is doulos, and it literally means, watch this, a bond slave or a bond servant. Jesus is saying there is more to your money than checks and balances, more to your money than savings and spending, more to your money than withdrawals and pop deposits. Money, unlike any other thing, watch this, has the power to enslave you. And the word slave means anything that rules over you. I'm getting ready to say something very controversial. I'm not running for office, so that's why I don't care. I'm going to say it anyhow. I believe that modern-day slavery in America is financial debt. See, y'all, you know what's so funny. Y'all want, this church want to be so woke, but when I say something woke, you can't catch it because you're still asleep. Because you think about how you're going to eat after you leave here. I need you to tap your neighbor. Tap him. Just tap him. Just tap him. Say, neighbor, neighbor. I need you to wake up. up. Uh-huh. Modern-day slavery in America is dead. In chains, and you don't even see them. Pastor, how do you figure that's dead? I mean, how do you figure that's modern-day slavery? I don't see that. I, I just don't. I just don't agree. Here, here we go. How's this slavery? Because debt tells you what you can and cannot do. Let me say that one more time. Debt tells you what you can and cannot do. Debt tells you you cannot give. Debt tells you you can't leave that job and go after your dream. Debt tells you you can't quit your job and be a stay-at-home parent. Why? Because you got bills to pay. It tells us what we can and cannot do. That's why Proverbs says, watch this, the borrower is a slave to the... To the lender. The Bible lays it out that when you are in debt, you are literally in slavery to someone else. And when Jesus says this, it is because he knows that the weight that it has on a believer when you carry debt. How many of you know that when you carry debt, there's a weight that's on you? You can't even sleep good at night. You can't even answer your phone. You still ain't. You can't answer the phone you pay for. Because when you see the 800 number pop up, and the 855, and the 866, and the 877, you can't even answer your own phone. And you're going to tell me you ain't in slavery? It's a phone you pay for that you can't even answer. You old school like me, you grew up with a mama that when somebody answered the phone and you didn't want to talk to them, tell them I And thank God for when call ID came around. That phone would ring, mama would holler, nobody answer it. Because debt tells you what you can and cannot do. Watch this. Just real talk. For those that have degrees in here, if money was not an issue, what would you be doing right now? That's heavy, ain't it? I mean, you got a degree in it. Thank God for you. Praise God. Bless God. We thank God for you. But what would you be doing right now? Watch this. If you came out of school with no debt, 
where would your life be right now? So when a preacher stand up and tries to proclaim to you we need to get stuff in order because there's a generation that's coming behind us that we're getting ready to saddle them with stuff that they don't need, that we need to get them a head start. We ignore that because we're waiting on our blessing. Maybe if you set it up so that when that child graduated and they had no debt and they can go into a career that they're really passionate about and make the money that they really want to make, then they can come back and bless you. Where would you be? Have you ever thought about that? What would you be doing if debt was not the issue? What would you, what, where would you spend your life and your investment and your time? Watch this. Here we go. Frightening thought. How much bigger would your dreams be if you didn't have debt? I get it. It's a harsh reality. But I'd rather talk about it than ignore it. Jesus says, I, I got to show you that this debt thing is an issue because it's a weight that's on you. But I want to declare something over freedom for those that can receive this because not everybody going to get this. But I need for those that can receive this. I need you to declare that my freedom has come. Yeah, yeah. Debt will not be my master any longer. Come on, I wish I had somebody. I'm going to owe no man nothing but love. I might have started out in debt, but I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to pay what I got to pay, and I'm going to believe God that God is going to make sure that I come out of debt because debt will not be my master. For the five of y'all that can receive this, throw your hands up and holler two words, debt free. Come on. I need you to say debt free in Jesus' name. I will be debt free. I'll be debt free. I can't sit up here and die with debt. I got to make sure that I'm setting something up for somebody that comes behind me. Can't be debt free. Look, I mean, it got to be debt free. Look at Matthew 6, verse number 21. It's on the screen. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in other words, watch this. Come on, let's go spiritual. Jesus is saying, wherever your treasure goes, your heart, heart follows. So, so this is what Jesus is saying. I don't have your heart until I have your treasure. Hmm. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about your value system. And you know it's true. Because where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Let me prove it to you. You know it's true. Because there are certain things in your life you didn't care about until your money went there. There used to be a time you could care less about 401ks and Roth IRAs. Until your money went there. Now you online checking it every other day. Ooh, I made $3. You're checking your portfolio all the time. Why? Because you want to see a return on your investment. You want to see what your money is doing because where your money is, there your heart will be also. Watch this. You ain't care nothing about, about little kids' soccer until that child, until you had to pay for that child uniform. You ain't care nothing about track until you had to buy that child's shoes. You would not spend your Saturday sitting up in the stands screaming, come on, baby. Watch this until your money went there. Because where your money goes, there your heart will be also. Your heart will never go where your money isn't already. 
It's about to get tight right through here. Your heart will never go where your money isn't already. You can't align your heart where your money isn't. Mm-hmm. He loved me. He don't pay no bills. That's love. Okay. Watch this, saints, and you will never have a heart for the kingdom of God. You will never have a heart for this church. You will never have a heart for serving. You will never have a heart for, for giving God what is due him until your money gets here first. Mm-hmm. Because the moment it does, watch this, where your money goes, your heart will follow. And so if your money comes into the church, then you're going to start caring about the church. Then you'll start serving in the church. Then you'll start praying for the church and you'll start believing for the church. I need for somebody in here that's a true freedom member to lift up your hands and say, I want the best for my church. Yeah, I want the best for my church. And I want my giving to reflect that I want the best for my church. I believe in what God does here and I will support it. I believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. My church will lack for nothing. My church will lack for nothing. My church will lack for nothing. God will use me. Okay, here we go. God is going to use me to write checks in this church to get the job done. I wish I had somebody right there. I, God is going to use me to provide for what this church needs. Because if my money is here, my heart going to be here also. Watch this. So if my money here, I can't pass, I can't walk by a piece of paper and just leave it there on the ground. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you holler so much at your children to keep the house clean? Because you pay for it. And God is saying, where your money goes, your heart will follow. Okay. So the question is, who kingdom are you serving? Not only does money show you whose kingdom you are serving, but the order in which you give shows you whose kingdom you serve it. Because order means everything to God. It's not just about your spending, but it's about the order in which you spend. If you spend money on your flesh before your future, that matters to God. Wow. Let me say that again. If you spend money on your flesh before your future, that matters to God. So you'll spend your money in eating out every other day. But you don't spend your money in making sure that you are financially secure 10 years from now. That matters to God. Because God has put more in you than for you to eat out. Cook. Go in that kitchen. Some of y'all stole so cold, it's shivering in your house right now. It ain't been turned on a long time. And can I tell you something? Let me just go ahead and bust this up. Can I, let me just bust this up, Teresa. I don't want to hear no more Well, I don't know how to cook. You mean all them videos on YouTube. You mean all the recipes on all them websites, and you got the nerve to say you don't know how to cook? See, y'all don't come from the old school like me, when grandma will pull you in that kitchen. Watch what I'm doing. I ain't going to be here all the time. You got to put a little sugar in it. Well, how much? I don't know, honey. You see how much sugar this is? That's how my grandmama was. She said a teaspoon, it was a tablespoon. You gotta taste it. What that tastes like to you? You like that? Uh-uh. <laughs> Y'all wasn't raised like me. Watch this. <laughs> Had a lot of trauma in my childhood, I realized. <laughs> no wonder I know how to cook. I was traumatized into it. 
the first place that God wants our money to go, the first place that God wants our money to go, I need us to see that, is in our giving. Let church say giving. Yeah. Now, now, which one? Which one giving? Here we go. Uh, he, he wants us to make sure that the first place our, our, our money goes is to our giving. God says, I want to be first. I want to be in the very first place in your life. That when you have increased, the first thing you should do is give. Let everybody say give. This is the biblical principle of first fruits because they were an agricultural society. When a farmer had a harvest, they would give the first tenth of the harvest to God. Not just the tenth of their harvest, but the first tenth, which is considered the tithe. The farmer would give the first tenth back to God, watch this, even before the rest of the crop had developed. Because, watch this, so I get this question all the time. Well, pastor, in the Bible, they gave grain and weed and animals. Well, go bring me your sheep. Because <laughs> if you get paid in sheep, I need you to bring your sheep. I'll break, make sure I will sell it to get the money off of it. You don't get paid in sheep. That's how they got paid back then. They don't get, you don't get paid that way. So it is the first tenth of your income. Watch this. Why is it the first? Glad you asked me. Because your best is in your first. I said your best is in your first. That's why before you start your day, you should give your first to God. Before you have to deal with the kids, before you have to deal with the spouse, before you have to go to work, before you have to deal with the boss, before you have to deal with the coworkers, you need to learn how to get down on your knees and spend the first moments of your day in prayer and in worship to God because your best is in your first. That's why we start the church off. That's why we start the service off in prayer and worship because that is the best. It is what we're giving God first. Your worship is in your first. So when you get paid, I give God the first and I trust him with the rest. Watch this. I don't give God leftovers because he didn't bless me with leftovers. He gave me the best of what he has. And I got to make sure I give God the best of what I have. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, give him your best. Give him your best. Give him your best. So here we go. Let's talk Bible. Malachi 3 and 10. Look what the Bible says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Do you know this is the only time God tells you to test him? Search the scripture. It is the only time that God ever looks at us and say, try me. I dare you to try me. I dare you to put me to, to the test. I dare you to trust me on the level of this. I want you to test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I'm getting ready to say something. This might offend you, but I need you to hear what I'm saying. 10% isn't God's. Pastor, you just said the tithe. 10% isn't God's. A hundred percent is God's. All he requires and asks for, he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse, church, synagogue, wherever you worship. That is what he's telling us. Watch this. God is saying, I want to bless you by opening up the floodgates in your life, but if I can't trust you with the 10%, what makes you think I will trust you with all the blessings I'm getting ready to release in your life? And here's the scary part. If you are walking in disobedience and not tithing and you bless, can you imagine how much more you will be blessed when you start walking in obedience? 
Here's what I discovered, Jennifer. You know what I've discovered? That when you become a tither, watch this, when you are consistent with God and gives him what he, what he requires, you know what I've discovered? There's a weight that's lifted off of you that you can't even explain to people. Well, how you going to pay? Honey, I don't know. I know he's going to take care of it. Well, how are you going to get this? I don't know. In fact, watch this. And, and if you're like me, I need you to hear this. Some of you get to the place where you even stop having financial conversations with people. Yeah. Your language will change. You stop talking about, oh, I'm just I'm trying to make it to the end of the month. I got to gotta make it to the end of the month. I got $5 of gas. That's all I got. It got to last me to Friday. Have you ever trusted God with $5 of gas? Y'all yeah. ain't. Yeah. Y'all ain't. Y'all ain't. Y'all ain't. Y'all ain't with me. I mean, you had to trust him with five dollars. Some of y'all, I'm talking a foreign language to you right now. Have you ever given to God and then had to deal with the repercussions of giving to God? And then you got a little bit of gas and you trying to make that thing last. So you driving down the street, turn the AC off, open the windows. But there's somebody around you that will tell you that obedience is better than sacrifice. And when you walk in obedience, God will make that $5 tank last all the way until you get paid again. Because he said, test me in this and see if I won't do it. I live a whole lot better than what my, my bank account says. I wish I had somebody right there. I live a whole lot better than what my bank account says. I live above all what my bank account should allow me to live. Not because I live outside of my means, but I live in such a way that, watch this, favor follows me. Favor tracks me down. Favor comes after me. The car I drive, favor. The place I work, favor. The clothes I wear, favor. Honey, I didn't pay regular price. I've got this on sale, honey. I need you to touch your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I declare favor over your life. Come on, declare favor over your house. I declare favor over your children. I declare favor in your finances. I declare that favor is going to track you down. It's going to chase you down and bless you. It's the favor of God. It's the favor of God. But you got to give first. Everybody say give. Watch this. Watch this. I don't give money to get money. I don't give my tithe so I can get money from God. It's an understanding that when I give, I'm just saying, Jesus, watch this, you are the treasure. God is not a treasure map. He is the treasure. You've blessed me with everything that I need. So I give to you, watch this, because you are my treasure. Because I adore you so much, I give to you. And even if I can't go out that weekend, and even if I can't take the trip right now, and even if I have to suffer, yeah, you suffering at home with lights and water and, and Netflix and you got everything else, but you feel like you're in a season of suffering. Touch your neighbor and say, you ain't suffering, honey. You, ain't, you are not suffering. You live a whole lot better than majority of the world. And you got to realize that the God you serve is the treasure in your life because he blessed you beyond what you've ever imagined or thought. You got to give first. He's building this principle in us, not because he needs our money, but because we need his blessing. And if we give to him first, then he will bless us with more. So he says, first, give. Everybody say order. order. But then after you give, here's the second thing you got to do. Come on, let's go. You got to save. Now, this is hard for the millennial and younger generation. This word right here, some of y'all didn't even like to say it. Come on, it's saving. Come on, say it with me. Saving. Yes, it's foreign. Saving. 
Mm -hmm. So you don't even want to open your mouth. Saving. Okay, watch this. This is hard for the millennial and the younger generation because we have something that our parents and grandparents did not have access to. What is that, Pastor? Credit. In your grandparents' generation, there was not there was not a passing out of credit cards with free pizza on a college campus. Credit is more available to you. So what it does is it makes us live in a culture where we don't want to save. If I want it, get it now. I don't need to wait and save. I could just get it on credit. I want the car now. So after 72 payments, see, I'm, I'm, I'm petrified y'all don't have a problem with what I just said. Because that's what they're doing now. You could buy a car. It used to be 60 payments. Now they done moved it up to 72. You know how many years that is? That is six years. So by the time you're paying off six years, and you didn't even buy the car new. It was already used when you got it. So by year four, it's breaking down every other week. So now you got to pay all that money and maintenance. I am reading somebody's mail right now, and you so mad at me. It's all right. Send me an email later. Say, Pastor, you was talking about me. I just had to sit there and look forward. Now, after you got done paying it all off, watch this. You still ain't happy. Some of you saying to yourself right now, I'd be so glad when I get rid of this car. Some of you need to say, I'm grateful. It's paid off. I ain't got not one payment, and to God be the glory. Sally going to keep on riding until Sally can't ride no more. Some of y'all been with me a while. Y'all remember my, my, my yes. white gallant? Yes. Yes. I loved yes. my gallant. I, I loved it. I, I loved my gallant. I'll never forget one time, I think you was with me. Yes. We went to a church, and I pulled up my gallant. We pulled up next to Mercedes and BMWs and, you know, all these expensive cars. And I pulled up my little white Sally right next to all the rest of them. I got an emboldened. I ain't shamed about my white Sally. Watch this. And, and what people, and then the preacher came to me, he said, you know, you're doing better now. You got all the people over at Freedom, you're doing better now. Why don't you get your upgrade? You need a, you know, and he started listing off these cars. I said, but do you understand Sally paid off? See, you got to get up and preach until you ain't got no voice the next day. You got to holler, spit, and scream, fall out on the ground just for them to give you $2. I can stand flat-footed and say, I don't care what y'all say. This is what the words say. Now, if you're mad, that's all right, because guess what? That car's still going to be taken care of. Saving. Everybody say saving. saving. We need to learn how to save. After you give, you got to save. Watch this. Because there was a actually used to be a day. I know this is so foreign, y'all from a new generation. But there actually used to be a day where if you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. What? Yes. There used to be a day where if you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. Can I tell you what savings does? Saving does two things for you. Number one, it stops us from impulsive emotional buying. Saving stops you from impulsive emotional buying. Now, some of you don't go to the stores no more. So what they do is they bring the stores to you on Facebook. 
You look at a shoe one time, now it comes up every single website you go to. Because they are banking on the fact that you are going to have impulsive emotional buying. That you're going to keep looking at it, and you go back to it, and you go back to it, and you go back to it, until eventually it gets in that cart, and you leave it in the cart a couple of days. Y'all ain't like me. And you leave it in the cart a couple of days, and you keep going back to it, go back to it, go back to it. And then all of a sudden you rationalize, well, if I move this over here, and I do this over here, and then I do that, then I can go ahead and get this. And that's what they're trying to do. Because when you save up for something, delaying a purchase, what you thought you really wanted, you actually don't. When you have to save up for something, what you will realize is after a while, I don't want this. That's why you got to leave it in the cart. Leave it there for days. After a while, you go back to it, I don't even want this no more. What, is, what else does saving do? Number two, because there is going to be a rainy day. You got to save for a rainy day. A financial storm is coming. There might be a downsizing at your job. Your child, can I be, let me go back to that because I need y'all to hear that. There might be a downsizing that, uh, of your job. If this market don't turn around, yeah. recession is coming. Yeah. And when, you went, when we went through recession back in 2008 before, what happened? Everybody started downsizing. They started getting rid of positions. You got to save for a rainy day. Your child going to get hurt and need medical attention. Your child going to need braces. You got to save for a rainy day. And can we just rebuke something? Can we rebuke the habit of GoFundMe as a solution to every problem that we have in this community? If financial storm is coming, and if we're not prepared, we will get wiped out by the storm. Proverbs 21, verse number 20, hard scripture, but it's the truth. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. That's your scripture for this week. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I love the saints. You know why I love pseudo-saints? Let me tell you why I love pseudo-saints. Because pseudo-saints love that scripture, but when I talk about tithing, you ain't got nothing to say. That's right, Pastor. No, it's right when they talk about tithing, too. Eat all the word. Mm-hmm. Save something for a rainy day, because rain is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, it's getting ready to rain. Ready to rain. I ain't talking about showers of blessing. I'm talking about a financial storm is coming. And if you want to make sure your marriage survives it, you got to make sure you got a dollar saved in the bank. You want to make sure that your family survives it, you got to make sure you got a dollar saved in the bank. How much more anxiety would leave your life if you had a couple of hundred thousand dollars sitting in your bank account right now? You know, can I, let me just be real with you. If you really had money saved in your bank account, y'all would go to work a little different. I ain't got to put up with this. I got six months in my bank account right now. Some of y'all have an attitude every day. What you say? Everybody say saving. All right. Third thing that you spend your money on. Third and last thing. Lifestyle. Believe it or not, God does want you to enjoy your life. But God is saying, don't do it at the expense of the order that I want, to, that I want you to honor and worship me in. He does want you to have a good life. He wants you to save so you can have a good life. He wants you to go on vacation and not come back broke. He wants you to have a good life. 
He wants you to put things in perspective. Because if you do what the principles have been laid out, you can live the life that God has for you. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. What did I say was first? What I say was second? And what I say was third? Here's the problem. This is the order we actually got it in. My lifestyle comes first. I worked hard for this. I'm going to enjoy my life. So I'm taking people out to lunch. I got to get my new wardrobe. I'm eating out every day because I'm busy. I'm busy. I don't have time to cook. You don't have time to cook, but you're the same person who told me about a whole series you watched on Netflix. I wish you would look at me in that tone of voice. Get an attitude now. You told me about the whole series you watched. Hours upon hours of a Netflix series you saw. But you ain't had no time to cook. Angela, I was sitting at home yesterday, and I got hooked on, what is it, Love is Blind? Foolishness. And I'm sitting up there, and then I had the nerve to get mad at myself this morning. I need to pull something out to cook later today. Them hours I was watching that Love is Blind. Something could have been done by now. So now I'm praying that it's defrosted by the time I get home so I can cook something. But I'm already setting up. I'm already behind the ball. Let me tell you why I'm behind the ball. Because I know when I leave here, I'm going to convince myself, well, I'm hungry now. See, y'all don't want to tell on yourselves, so I'll tell on myself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I thought so. My, my lifestyle has to come first. And here's the problem with the saints. I hope you're ready for this. Because my lifestyle comes first. Watch this. This ain't even the order. Because watch this. After I'm spending my money on my lifestyle, ain't no money left for nothing else. That's all I got is lifestyle. I look good. I'm broke. I'm having a good time. Broke as I don't know what. That's all I got is lifestyle. That's it. God is saying, it's out of order. And here's what ends up happening. When life starts to pressure you down, when things start happening in your life, I need you to catch this. Go to it. Here we go. What you value least experiences the most pressure. wonder why we confused about who God is in our life because we put our, all our money in our lifestyle we put money in lifestyle and savings but we had nothing for God and now you tripping with God because you can't understand why is this happening to me 
what you value the least will experience the most pressure. So life is weighing down on your order. And God is under the pressure. So now if he don't rescue you from what you are in, now you start to doubt God. And God is looking back at some of us this morning and saying, what order did you have it in? Because if you would just reverse this thing and make sure that lifestyle was the last that you worried about. And you made sure before your lifestyle, you had something saved in the bank. And before you had something saved in the bank, you made sure that God got his. Now he's a strong enough God that when the pressure comes, he can hold the whole thing up in your, on your behalf. You got to determine where the pressure goes. You got to determine where the pressure goes. I got some statistics and I'm done. Only 2.5%, because you know these people all talking about how the church taking in all this money. Let's be clear. 2.5% of believers give. 2.5% of all the Christians in all the world, 2.5% of believers give. Why the church don't do more? Are you kidding me? Watch this. It was higher during the Great Depression. At that time, it was 3.5%. And now we're living in abundance and overflow, and only 2.5% of the people that call Jesus Lord is holding the church up. Frightening statistic. You ready for this? Frightening. Statistics say that if you make $75,000 or more, only 1% of those people are tithers. Because the more money you make, the less likely you are to give to God. So why are they talking about the church? They ain't got their facts straight. Mm -hmm. So what's happening? What's happening is in the church, people are making more money, but we are by percentage. Because mm -hmm. you will never fill your life with enough. You'll always want more. Can you imagine, I want y'all to hear me, can you imagine if this church really started rising up and giving the way God called us to give? I ain't talking about the extra giving. I ain't talking about the vision giving. Thank God for it. But could you imagine what we could do as a body of believers if everybody said, I'm going to give to God what is deserving to him? He blessed me with 100. All I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him back 10%. And he's going to give me more than what I've ever imagined. Could you imagine how far our ministry could go? I'm in talks right now. There's a church that's getting ready to leave from their location. Um, they built a new church. And I'm in talks right now um, with them leaving what they're going to do with the old property. And I positioned them and I asked them for some information. And we had a good conversation on Thursday. Um, uh, Caucasian um, church and was asking them, and they were seeing the parallels between their ministry and our ministry at the same time that they were getting ready to transition. We had numbers that were very similar. We had, the whole makeup was very similar. And I told them, I said, I'll be honest with you, we're not at a position to purchase right now because we just started our capital stewardship campaign. I said, but we wanna do, I was discussing rent to own and different things like that. And he said, we were not considering it, but let me go back to the board. 
And let me see if we are in a position to do it. And again, I want to be clear, this ain't until 2021. So we ain't moving next week. Um, <laughs> Got to bring that money. And, um, and so he said, let's go back to the board and we'll, we'll discuss it. And then next week, I'll, I'll, I'm going to contact you and see what we can come up with. And he was asking me how much and all this kind of stuff, just all these different financial questions. And just kind of playing around with it. And in the back of my mind, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I believe God. I don't trust y'all. I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I want you to hit my heart. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I, I'm, I want you to get what I'm saying. Because sometimes in the church, people are smoking mirrors. I'm with you, pastor. All right, I need you to give. I want the church to be great, but I need you to get, oh, well, you know. And I'm nervous, because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Lauren, I've discovered the faith that it took us to get out of the hotel to 5,600, and the faith that it took us to get out of 5,600 over to here is not the same faith that it's going to take us to get out of here. And I started questioning God. I don't know if I got that in me. Because I'm looking at people sometimes. I'm like, praise them. <laughs> and that was free. That's a free praise. Ain't cost you nothing. I'm saying, Lord, what are you doing? And then this week, I'm, pr I'm literally praying. I said, Lord, I know the saints. Because after, every time I get finished doing a relationship series, saints get funny about their tennis all over again. As long as I'm talking about relationship, they come. They knock the doors down. They here. But when it comes to anything else, and I said, I'm doing money right after relationships. I said, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> I told the Lord, I said, you know, I got some more relationship stuff I can do now. I got another sermon in me. I could, I could pull it. Lord said, nope, shift them. Because where you are don't fit y'all no more. Yeah. And you got to prepare the people for where y'all getting ready to go. Yeah. That is going to take another level of dedication and commitment. That beyond whatever happened in the past, God says, now I need you to pick it up and let's go. Because it's going to require more of you than it ever required before. And I'm crazy enough to believe that if God said it, he's going to bless his people to do it. I'm crazy enough to believe it. That if God said it, he's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. I want to do this. Come on, Maisha. This. There has been a song that we have been trying to sing for the last probably three weeks now, and we never could get to it. And it was a declaration. If you notice, I stopped doing the, the, the tithers creed because when I came across this, the Lord said, this is what I need you to start declaring. This is what the people need to start declaring out their mouths. So I wanna do this a little differently. I know usually we do the altar call right now and invite somebody to Jesus Christ, but I wanna put a demand on you that I want you to give on today. Not because I'm forcing you, not because I'm twisting your arm, not because of any of that. But you have heard the word of the Lord and that you are giving towards God, giving to God on today. But I need you to declare this over your life. Maisha's going to sing this and I want you to catch on to this because this is going to be something that we're going to declare over our life every single Sunday. The song says, I have everything I need. 
I have everything I need. I have everything I need. He provides for me. I want you to get this down in your spirit. Come on, go to the song. Come on, Maisha. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. The great I am provides for me. Catch that. I have everything. I have everything I need. Come on, lift your voice, everybody. I have everything I need. Come on, say, I have everything. I have everything I need. The great I am. The great I am provides for me. The great I am. The great I am. Come on, one more time. I need you to lift your hands and declare that over your life. I have, I have I Come on, I need you to declare that. Speak that out of your mouth. I have, I, I have everything I need. I have everything I need. The great I am. you to take your offering, lift it up and took before the Lord. I have everything. I have everything. Come on, we're going to worship him together. I have everything. That's it. Come on, say, I have everything. The great I am. Yes, God, the great I am. Come on, the next line says, you are my strength. You are my strength when, when I, am I am weak. Come on, you are my strength. You are my strength when I am weak. That's somebody's word this morning. You are, you are my strength when I am weak. The great I am provides. The great I am provides for me. Come on, the great I am. Yes, God. One more time, one more time, lift it up. You are my strength. You are my strength when I am Come on, you are my strength. You are my strength when I am Hallelujah. You are my strength. You are my strength when I am The great I am. The great I am. The great I am. Bye. 
provide all my needs, God. You'll take care of me. Come on, you're whoever I need you to be. somebody to worship him right there come on if you know he's going to take care of you if you know he's going to provide for you that whatever place you find yourself in you serve a God that can become whatever you need him to be he's more than a